Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Out of Point Podcast. And today we are talking about the Ukraine-Russia issue. The issue. issue. I don't know, I, it's been a long, it's been on my mind for, I think ever since it happened. Yeah, let's just, let's just talk about it. I mean, yeah, current affairs is one of, one of the things we try to cover here, I guess. Something cheeky with that. And who knows, man, like maybe next time you have to talk about it in GP. Yeah, okay, so to start off the topic, I'm actually quite lost about what's going on in general. So do you have any clue about what's going on, Marcus? I actually, yeah, I mean, I, I read, I've been reading about it for the past few days, but um, I don't know, I, I don't want to just like jump in and then like info dump, but but like, why don't you just like tell me what, what, what you know about it? Like, what, what, what are your ideas or like, impressions about the entire situation? Okay, so actually, like just roughly speaking, I, I hear comments about how people are saying this is an extension of how the Cold War has not ended, uh, how Ukraine and Russia actually have a, have a history in terms of uh, like being after the Cold War, after the Cold War, what happens? And for example, like uh, how... Uh, maybe more recently in 2014, the annexation of Crimea and the installation of a pro-democracy Ukrainian president. And then actually today I recently read about like the, the, the water, the water supply to Crimea was actually cut off by Ukraine after its annexation. And then Russia got really angry because Crimea actually depends on agriculture a lot. So Russia actually wanted to get their water back as well. I mean, not really get their water back. They wanted to get water to Crimea. Yeah, actually, to be honest, I didn't read too much about that aspect. I I think I roughly like read something about it, but I didn't delve too deep. Yeah, because but yeah, you're mostly like you're mostly right about the about how this has ties all the way back to the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so I guess like if I really want to put a date when it started, to be honest, like. Can go like super super far back, but yeah. um, I guess I guess where where I started like my my reading or like my history lesson, right? like when I was like starting to find out more about this issue, was really the end of I think where it started for me is like when when cold when World War Two was about to end. Mm-hmm. So so you know like when world when the when the World War ends right like the major powers they wanna have some say in in how the how the post war world should look like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so the US, the UK and and at the time the, the Soviet the Soviet Union, they each want to have like their own they have their own goals and objectives to achieve. So even back then, uh the Soviet Union and now which is now Russia, they always wanted uh a sphere of influence. You know, like if you if you hear if you hear a lot of the news, the news now they are always talking about you know uh, Russian sphere of influence, and even yeah. Putin in his speech, I think he's mentioned like uh, this this idea of a of a sphere of influence in Europe, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's it's basically the idea that Russia wants to have some buffer states, some 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 states that are at its borders to sort of protect itself from Western influence. I see. Yeah. So so even back then, you know, in in some of the post war conferences, they try to keep. They try to get uh the Western nations to acknowledge, you know, uh, that um, hey, you know, uh, after this war, don't come near Soviet Russia. And yeah. and to some extent, the Western powers actually agreed. Um, but of course, you know, like it's it's all part of the deal. Because at that point in time, I think the U.S. was still fighting Japan, and and at, and at that point in time, you know, uh, I think some of the Western powers were still wary of like communism, and they wanted. Uh, certain exchanges from uh, Russia. So I think one of the uh, in one of the conferences, they they managed to get a deal of Stalin, which is to allow free elections in some of the Soviet satellite states, and then uh, in exchange, right, uh, they allow us they asked Stalin to allow free elections, and also uh, in exchange, you know, uh, they were they were they were. Uh, no guarantee or like they agree that you know future governments in the eastern european nations would remain soviet friendly la. yeah okay 
this was, and this was in 1945. I think they also got uh, Russia. Oh, sorry, they got so the Soviet Union to to help fight fight uh Japan, like send troops to help fight Japan as well. I see. Okay. So I that's roughly the deal back then. Yeah. So this idea of the Soviet life, like Soviet sphere influence, was already prevalent all the way back in 1945, which is I think before Putin was born. But I think this is roughly. Uh, this is roughly Let's where. Just do a fact check first. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Putin was born in 1952, if I'm not wrong. Because he's, he's oh, 70 he was, years he old. This. Yes, yes. 70 years old this year. Yes, yes. That's correct. He was born in 1952. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, didn't like, mess up. Yeah. I hope, hope most of the stuff I'm saying is correct. You know, like this is all a bunch of like research that I did. Okay. I, I didn't, didn't like mess up. I, I think I think that's generally true, right? Because as in, I also, from my understanding as well, I know that at the end of the World War, the Second World War, they were still trying to deal with Japan. And yeah. most of the main powers was the Western Bloc and the Eastern Bloc. And both of them were trying to like exert their influence, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it continued after after World War II also. If you, if you like, if you take a look at, at post-war, this, this, there was a lot of ideological conflicts that happened. Like um, uh, like you know how how they how they partition Germany, yeah, and how how, uh, you know it very much became a well like an ideological battle. So you have like the Cold War. This is when like some of the Cold War, Cold War stuff began. You know, uh, like Winston's Iron Curtain speech. There was the Greek Civil War, uh, the Berlin blockade, then and then the the coup in Czechoslovakia. Yeah. So these are like small incidences here there that, that 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 show like you know there's this ongoing battle between the Western power and the Soviet Union. Yeah. I'm surprised as in and these names sound familiar to me, but I don't exactly remember what happened. I only remember more clearly the Cuban Missile Crisis. Ah uh, yeah, but I think Cuban Missile Crisis was a bit. Uh, was a bit later. Yeah, yeah later. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay. But the reason why the reason why I say all these things are like, because like these these were incidences that led up to the formation of NATO. Which is one of the big the big names, like the big names in the news nowadays when you read about why Russia invaded Ukraine. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest players like as to like why Putin decided to invade Russia. Right? Mm-hmm. Because like the very formation of NATO, right, was to protect uh certain like uh Certain countries in, in Europe, uh, against Soviet Soviet uh in, like intervention. So and, and Soviet aggression, uh, because at that point in time, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. So so it's an idea. So so when we talk about the Soviet uh, sphere of influence, right? NATO was like the Western version of their sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. So so all these all these countries, right? If the agreement is that if any of them come under attack, uh, attack an attack on one country is an attack on all the countries in NATO, la. Yeah. So if US is inside this country, that means you're basically attacking a nuclear power, which is like sort of sort of a scary idea uh, for Russia, yeah. I guess. It means that their their sphere of influence is sort of being threatened. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So so that so that's just where they left off in roughly like 19, the nineteen fifties or nineteen forty eight around there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then then I guess uh at that point in time like Putin was born, like he was born in, during this era, right? Yeah. So, so then now we fast forward to the nineteen nineties, where, where, you know, the Soviet Union saw weakening, and and in fact, in nineteen ninety one, they dissolved completely. Yes. And I think it's it's around this this time that. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the nations like the Soviet satellite states they start to declare independence. Mm-hmm. So Georgia, Georgia, uh, declare independence. Ukraine declare independence. And, and yeah, they just slowly, slowly break away from the Soviet Union. So it's around this time that that uh is considered like especially for like those really like you know uh strong believers in the Soviet Union. I'm sure Putin was because he was, I think he was like ex KGB agent. Yes. So this is regarded as some one of the most humiliating like episodes of, of Soviet history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, also around this time, um, 
the leader of the USSR. Uh, I think his name his name was Mikhail Gorbachev. Yes, he made a deal with with the U.S. Secretary of State and NATO uh, regarding regarding how NATO could operate in in East Germany, right? And I think that was a verbal promise, which is which is what uh Putin like sort of clings clings onto to this day, mm-hmm. and and this promise was that um that NATO will not move an inch towards the east. So it's again about protecting. Eastern Europe, the Eastern uh, Europe, and protecting uh, Russians' sphere of influence. Uh. they don't want the Western to infringe on their so-called, like I put in quote, quotation marks, their territory. So Gorbachev didn't want NATO to be aggressive towards the east, is it? Yeah, Gorbachev Gorbachev was he was more open to to like allowing uh, NATO to exist, but not but not wage just, war. Uh. I think he I think he was more he was more open to like uh Russian like sorry the Soviet Union uh sort of dissolving and being open to the to the world instead of being this closed up uh system. I think a lot of his policies at the time were, were opening up their economy and allowing yes. like I actually remember some of those policies like Glasnost yeah, and yeah. Like Paris Troika, like Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But those about, are from like, history. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it's really one of the reasons why why uh people like say that he's a weak leader because like he he allowed all these like uh, very western you know, to break idea. away yeah yeah to like break away from the Soviet Union and like declare independence and all that and obviously like like around this time you know he resigned from office lah mm-hmm. but but he he I think he he played a big part in how the Soviet Union like sort of dissolved and and yeah how how yeah, he played a big part in ending ending sort of ending the Cold War because like once Soviet Union like dissolved there's really no more. Cold War per se, because their their Soviet ideas, their very hard stance, sort of dissolves with it. But but you see that like uh, yeah, he's 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 like regarded as quite a weak leader, especially amongst those hardcore like uh, Bolsheviks, like you know Putin, and those very yeah. hard hard stance uh pro Russian guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but yeah, but he he made the deal is also to because. Partly also because to to safeguard Russian interests. Again, like like he is he is still a leader of Russia, so he he has to protect Russian interests. And at that point in time, NATO was one of the biggest threats, uh, in terms of like, uh, yeah, like, you know, the idea of sphere of influence again. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, this this promise like that's been quoted by Putin, right? Is is an entirely verbal promise. Like even though it was said by the Secretary of State. Uh, the U.S. Secretary of State, also by the NATO Secretary General, right? It's still uh, just a verbal promise, so it was never written. Uh, but I guess Putin still feels threatened by the existence of NATO. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Actually. Actually. Yeah. So, like, you just keep in mind that like, they made this promise, right? This is yeah. sort of to like assure Russia that okay, we won't we won't like get into your territory. Yeah. Sort of like we won't we won't like we will respect your so called sphere of influence. But the thing is that this this promise was made slightly before the Soviet Union collapsed. Yeah. So once the Soviet Union collapsed, right? Like you can imagine how the in the Western mindset, right? This verbal agreement sort of collapsed with it. I see. Yeah, but, I like think did- I, that's 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 what I'm inferring, like, I haven't actually like. That's why that's why I think it's happening because because even though it's also, it's also just a verbal agreement, so they have really no. Uh, like it's, it's not like a treaty or like something that's written down. So it's just a verbal agreement. So it doesn't really hold that much weight. But still though, if, if you want to like like give a reason as to why um eventually right NATO did push east, right? It could be, you know, because this verbal agreement was just for was just with the USSR. So when the USSR collapsed, that means this so-called agreement is nullified. Uh. I see. I guess it could be said that the West was negotiating in bad faith, but I'm not sure. So because yes, like, I guess I'm sh- but I'm not sure what as in what did they not honor in their agreement as well. They, as in the West didn't want to get Ukraine. Like for example, they, they didn't want to get involved. Is it? Or they promised not to get involved in this kind of thing. Yeah, they promised they sort of promised not 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 not, not to get involved in uh in East Germany. I think at that point because they didn't want to uh aggravate Russia as well. It's oh. it's sort of like like they're playing a like a balancing game, like they want to they don't want to agree with Russia, but they also they also want to have their own sphere of influence, right? 
mm-hmm. which is why in the end, right, like NATO still pushed these. Uh. So like I I I saw this like very very nice map by by BBC, which showed like you know uh how slowly slowly after after the downfall of Soviet Union, right, like NATO NATO sort of expanded closer and closer to Russia. So various like Slavic and, and the Baltic uh, states all all slowly uh, went under NATO's umbrella, so called. So you so you can see from like Putin's point of view, where when when he's going out as a patriotic like KGB agent or like a politician, right? You can see how how he feels betrayed, lah. Because uh, over the years, you see like slowly the, the neighboring countries that were once under your great country's influence, like slowly get westernized. Yeah. It's a threat to your to your country line and to and to your to their to their influence. Their support. Yeah, the influence. Which they make. If you yeah, it's a it's a threat. Mm-hmm. So then that thing um, you know you know like, like how Russia has done like various sketchy things in the past, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the invasion of Ukraine is not the first time they, they they violated like international law and just trample on the country's like sovereignty. Uh. Mm-hmm. So they did that for Georgia as well in 2008. Oh. I remember how I mentioned like Georgia was like one of the first, like they were one of the one of the states that, that declared independence early on. Yeah. Yeah. So like like around this period, like uh yeah, like the the independence movement in Georgia was gaining traction. Then at the same time, uh no, Russia like Russia didn't Soviet Union at the time, but they didn't want that to happen. Uh. So so they they their own self they also like you know try to encourage some some people in in Georgia. Basically there, there are these two groups called the oh man, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but there's there's a there's a region called Abkhazia. Abkhazia and another region called uh uh with people called the Ossetians. I'm gonna mess I'm gonna mess the pronunciation up, but like but yeah, basically, Abkhazia and Ossetia. Okay. Uh, yeah, these are groups of people in Georgia that are uh, very pro-Russian, I guess you could say. There's a history behind that also, but I don't want to get into it. Uh, yeah, because it's a very it's a long history, uh. yeah. yeah. But basically, they're pro they're pro-Russian, right? Then Russia sort of use, but I mean, Soviet Russia sort of used them to. To slow down Georgia independence, right? So, 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 so they promoted like, like nationalism in these two these two regions. So, so they they, they wanted to, uh, uh, you know, cause cause Georgia wanted to declare independence, right? They saw that these two regions in in their in, in Georgia like belongs to Georgia, la. Whereas the uh, whereas these two regions they sort of want to be their own independent state in in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so this so so they started fighting each other, la. Ooh, okay. So it's kind of like a yeah, civil so war. Something like that, something like that, yeah. But it's not so not, not so much of a like huge civil war in, in, in that it's just it's like the majority of Georgia versus these two small, small, small states. Mm. They are like sort of like Russian Russian like puppets in a sense. Uh, in yeah. that they want they also want their own individual state and then Russia like sort of like is backing them up. Right. So eventually so they were handle a lot of conflict. Even after even after Georgia like declared independence, right? Like these two smaller states were sort of rebelling against the the like the main Georgian uh Georgian sort of I guess the main part of Georgia. I don't know how to explain it, yeah, but they were just basically fighting. So they supported the invasion of Russia in 2008? They were they were the they are the main the main uh cause of it, I would say. Russia uses as an excuse to invade Georgia. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I think. Okay. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. So 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 there's there there are a bunch of tensions that 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 like sort of like you know troops moving in, and then like uh yeah I know like military exercises being held and then then Russia used the use the use the the sort of the pretext that oh they are going to defend and honor the the desire for 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 these two states independence, and they're going to go send troops there to enforce the peace. So they invaded. Then, 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 then yeah, like, you know, if you if you follow like the current the current Ukraine, uh, if you follow the current Ukraine crisis now, right? Like you can see that it's basically the exact same thing that's happened with Ukraine. Uh. 
So there's unrest in Ukraine that Russia used as a, as a way to as a as a context for the war. Yeah, you you also have to keep in mind that that at that point at, at just before they invaded Georgia, right? Georgia's Georgia's uh, um, Georgia's uh, government switched from a pro-Russian one to a pro-Western one. So this is the, yeah. so so at at a point in time, right, they were also like starting to to uh, you know, like the, the Georgian government started to uh, embrace the idea of joining NATO. Mm-hmm. And and Georgia is right is right on the border of, of Russia and in between Russia and Turkey. Okay, so Russia of course felt very threatened by that. Yeah, exactly. It's the idea of the, the influence again. The influence is threatened by NATO. Yeah. So just before, so 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 I think around two thousand eight, they had a conference, like a, a summit, and and during this summit. Sort of, uh, NATO sort of uh, welcome uh, both Ukraine and Georgia and says, okay, um, we, uh, we welcome your, your intentions to join us, but we won't let you join us yet. That, that was the rough message that they gave, uh, but that was really a, a very threatening message that Russia received. Uh. Yes. Yeah, so that's why up to now they haven't joined NATO yet, but NATO is open, you know, like. It sort of affirms that oh we will let anybody we let we will let you join us, like it's an open door, but I mean like uh we will review because they also don't want to piss off Russia too much, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like up in the air, but then like Russia doesn't like that. Like, Russia wants you to, Russia ideally would want NATO to like say oh I'm sorry uh we won't allow you in because you belong to Russia, but obviously NATO NATO doesn't do that lah. It's an open door. Like if you want, they will come you. That kind of idea. So, so, so if you look at look, Ukraine, it's pretty much the same thing. Like, like you see how, how uh, recently, right? Uh, yeah, how, how recently, yeah, yeah. It, it, in fact, you know, the reason why they invaded, like, Crimea in yeah. 2014, right, is because there was a change in, in leadership in Ukraine from a pro-Russian to a pro-Western, right? Yeah. So, so then they invaded Crimea to sort of, like, like re-establish influence in, in the area. Mm-hmm. Then, like, because of invading Crimea, like, this gave the Western world reason, uh, because if you know, like, NATO has sort of expanded its influence already. So, like, the, a lot of the regions surrounding Russia are NATO. So, so when, when Russia moves into invade Crimea, right, they have a reason to increase increase like troops sent to all the NATO NATO umbrella countries around Russia. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, it's like escalation again. You know, like Russia invades Crimea. Then, then U.S. sends some troops. U.S. and the bunch of Western nations send troops and like military equipment to all the NATO, the NATO like countries around Russia. So I like, as a defense. Uh. Yeah. So, obviously, Putin would be like quite, quite pissed off at that uh, because like yeah, the, his his very fear is is like being realized. Yeah, but both are escalatory, right? So yeah, both both are escalatory. Yeah. This is, I think I think like when I was reading a lot of this all these articles, like, like a lot of people seem to focus on, on Putin's uh, escalatory actions, but they didn't they didn't really consider the Western. So I'm so I'm just giving like both sides. So you like you have a better idea. That like you know like like uh, it's unfortunate like 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 one side one side did something bad, so so then naturally the other side has to has to respond. Uh. I'm not I'm not yeah. saying like it's, it's like it's like it's like uh, I'm like taking one side or anything, but this is just how how the world works. So. Yes. Yeah. So so obviously, like Putin, when he sees all these armament, like people arming up, right? He gets he gets angry, la. So yeah. so that's why I think in his mind, right? Like like if he if he sees this, like you know, like like as ex KGB agent, like, he saw like how how Soviet Russia like rose and fall, and and how now like like the so called like the promises made by the West like is slowly broken, and how they're arming up all the NATO countries. You can you can understand that 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 that's why he 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 tries to like use this as a pretext to like push back against the West and then therefore like invade invade Ukraine. In fact I think I think like, like he's been planning this like since probably since the invasion of Crimea. Or maybe like it's is a Yeah? Yeah actually that's probably true. Cause I was thinking if there's any other thing that he wanted, he would have got it through diplomatic means as well. Like if he wanted uh, land then he couldn't though. If he wanted like Ukraine to be part of Russia then he couldn't do that through diplomatic means. Like he would have to go to war for that. Yeah yeah. And I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure like whether it was his final intention to actually invade Ukraine, because like he could always uh, just like threaten and then like get some stuff out of it. But but I don't know, man. He, it feels like like he actually did it. 
and, and the way he did it is also it's also super similar to the way he, they invaded Georgia. Right? Like you remember, you remember I mentioned like there were two like rebel regions in, in Georgia. Yeah. And then they, they sent troops there, right? It's the same thing for Ukraine. There are two rebel regions in Ukraine. Uh, and then they are like mainly pro-Russian. And then you Putin just kept Putin just sent 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 uh yeah, yeah, so these two states also want autonomy from Ukraine, uh, much like how they the other states wanted their sort their sort of like autonomy from Georgia. So so Putin just sent sends troops there to to peace keep in his words, uh, protect the independence of of the states of uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I said that right, but yeah, those those are the two the eastern part of Ukraine that uh, Russia sent I think the main difference right now is that Georgia right is around four million people, whereas Ukraine right is forty four million. Yeah, that's a big difference. so. So whereas whereas the Georgia invasion was like I think happened it finished in a week, like, and they were victorious like, I mean they they got what they wanted yeah. Uh, which yeah. is like the, the two states being able to be recognized, you know, you know, actually they yeah, I don't delve into that, but basically Russian Russian was Russian was uh, was victorious and they recognized and Russian recognized Russia at least recognized the, the independence of the two states, even though it's widely like it's it's not recognized by the rest of the world, uh, but but it shows uh, that you know Russia could do this and get away with it. And that's why now Putin is doing this also. And he, and he's and he got away with it, like, as in he got away with invading invading Ukraine. Yeah. Which is the, the mind-boggling thing because like, after so many examples, like, like literally allow Putin to to do the same thing again. Like he's basically repeating his invasion of Georgia. But I guess you know there's really not much the world can do about it. Yeah, somehow the 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 United Nations Security Convention also cannot really act. In terms of in, in a military way, in a, using a military force, using military force. Yeah, and it's also because Russia is on the council. Yeah. Like yeah Russia, Russia happened to yeah they vetoed they vetoed the any any resolution that would, that that would stop uh Russians Russia's invasion, which is quite ironic. Right? It's quite yeah, a funny situation. Yeah. It's like the permanent member happens to yeah be one of the aggressors. It's quite it's quite a funny thing. And actually, I think if you were if you were neighboring countries as well, it's very difficult for you to justify sending military aid to a for, like, to a foreign land as well, kind of. Sorry. Like, yeah. Let's say if if you were if you were Ukraine's neighbor, and then you were, like Poland for example, and then you were asked to send like military aid to to Poland, as in to Ukraine to help defend against Russia, I think that's difficult to to do as well. So it's maybe yeah. That that's it's difficult to justify to your own country. Oh yeah, yeah. You're helping a foreign country. Yeah, you're helping a foreign country. But you can help in terms of diplomatic means, but not military means. But a lot of a lot of uh, countries now though they are sending a lot of uh, like ammunition in terms of like weapons, ammunition for Ukraine. So like logistic, like the log- like not manpower. Logistics. Logistics. Yeah. Manpower. Manpower is not officially. I think. Ah uh, okay. I think I think that I think there are people who volunteer to fight for Ukraine. Especially in the neighboring countries, but I think most of the most of the like for like the official means of helping is just like sending aid, yeah, uh, sending any ammunition, like yeah. accepting refugees, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, which I think is like it's probably all they can do right now, like sanctions and stuff, like economic sanctions. It's really yeah. all they can do. Like if they, I don't think they, yeah. So really the best they can do for the situation. Uh, I don't know what 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 have you been like reading? Uh, what 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 have you heard? So I've I've read a lot of other like peripheral stuff on the issue. So okay, the the one one that I read was very interesting. Was as in I on Reddit there's this like message circulating about how, uh, in Ukrainian and in English like how the Polish border is open for Ukrainians to enter without a visa. So uh, as in they're basically trying to send a message that uh, that. Ukrainians who are seeking refuge can go there, yeah. and they are also yeah. like, for okay. example, seeking uh any for any like people who are legally trained so that they can help with asylum or refuge, for those like Ukrainians who are moving over, that's quite nice of them, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think I think one thing is like I yeah I'm gonna talk about social media again, but like <laughs> yeah, but like I think I think it's pretty it's pretty cool how how social media can sort of like propagate all these 
information out. Especially, I mean, like, okay, there's a lot of like, like false, false information out there also. Like. But there's a lot of like, um, I know the sharing of the news and like people like letting each other keep out the, like what's happening and like, what our country is doing, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, it is. It is very cool. And actually, so as in, I think Poland is also making other exceptions. So in the past, uh, like when they want to, like when the Ukrainians want to bring their their pets over, they all actually they don't even think of bringing their pets over because uh the pets who are bringing who are brought over uh required are required to be chipped, vaccinated vaccinated against rabies, and have a current serological test for rabies antibodies. Like they need to have all these documentations and things. Uh, but. Uh, who who is this? Uh, the chief sanitary inspector of um, uh, Poland actually like uh, uh changed like the requirements. Like it says that actually uh it does not have to be uh, the the animal doesn't have to part with the with the owner. Like they can complete an declaration. They can complete a declaration stating that the animal does not pose a threat to the safety of of others, and then if it's verified, uh, they can bring their pets over as well, which is quite nice. So they don't have to be separated with their pet even in times of war. So you have to say that again. They're making things a lot easier now for like any sort of movement. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice of them. What other okay so uh, and so do you, do you have other stuff to say about this one? Otherwise, I'll move on to the next like point. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I sort of like covered like most of what I, what I read already. Like. It's just the history of it. I think it's quite it's quite interesting because a lot of people like 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 uh, when they you know when they, when they like see all this news and everything, a lot of people. I think I, I see a lot of people not understanding why why like Putin invade Russia, but like you know there's there's like it goes to show that you know there's a lot of reasons behind it. Like. Yeah, and yeah, you can trace, you can trace all the way back, like in history, to find like the various factors and the escalation that has been happening. Guys, yeah, it's just it's just a it's like a slow escalation. And I think that no, it's just interesting. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like yeah, at the end of the day, war is war sucks, and then people suffer. Yeah, the the next piece of news that I have that is that is not really to the point is uh, uh this. Uh, is this um hacking elective con- anonymous declares cyber war against uh Russia, and then they announced that they have taken down some websites, uh, including like the television channel RT that's run by Russia. Sorry, I think I read that also. Yeah, so it's, I I thought it's quite interesting because as in I wouldn't expect like as in I'm not sure like w- when does anonymous get involved, but like the, I guess, I guess they 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 thought that there was a place for them here to. Um, to attack Russia. Have they have they actually done anything to yeah? You know, I I I think I saw some some articles, but did they do anything significant? They they took down the the television channel RT, and they also uh took down some other websites like official websites from Russia. I think they also leaked oh. some officials uh like military login like credentials. Is that legit though? Like I read I I I saw that I saw that really post, but. When I went through the comments, it seemed like it wasn't like a big deal. Yeah, I'm also like they didn't, to... they didn't really, they didn't really do much. I I think the the websites and the the television channel ones are real, but I'm not sure about the one where they leak the the, the credentials. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess I just some some help help there. Yeah, at, at least some people are helping. But I mean, on the other hand, there's also another hacking group. I don't. I think it's called Conti, and they are they 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 stood up in in support of Russia. And they said that oh we will also wage cyber war against other people. Serious? So, so like they're Russian cyber team. Yeah, they are. So they, I guess they are also cyber, um, uh, like hackers in in like in support of Russia. Like, I think it's just a minority. Yeah, it could just be like Russian, Russian like, you know, like Russian hackers. Yeah, yeah. They, I guess there are some Russian hackers who are very patriotic to to Putin. Yeah, but even even in Russia, like people are like very. Even in Russia, people are. It's the war, like they're having protests and stuff. Yes, yes, like the protests are quite like a big deal actually, because like they are they are willing to get arrested for protesting. Yeah. I see, like a lot of them. I don't think I I think it's like, it's, it's enough to 
if you think I don't Actually, know the exact numbers of how many people. I think the protests also span across like other other places as well, right? Like there are people protesting outside Russian embassies in other countries as well. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. In like all like all sorts of nations, like, all the Russians come together. Yeah. Yeah. Very little Russian support support the the war currently. Hmm. Although you have to like understand that they're also being, I think they are they are they are they are under a lot of propaganda to to justify why they should invade Ukraine, right? Yeah, the thing about Ukraine is that they are like super close to Russia, though, like in terms of culture and like family ties, right? Yeah. So it's basically family, like they are attacking their own blood. Yeah, I I guess that's why it, it makes it like very quite difficult, right? Because like, um. Like I, as in I even see soldiers talking to one another as well, like on opposite sides. But they are like they are they are friendly with each other because like they understand that like they are they are family members on each side as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is quite, this is quite insane. Yeah, as in I I think yeah. they also know that it's an ideological battle. Yeah, I think imagine how 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 the how it will affect the morale though of the troops. For Ukraine, yeah. they are defending their land. So and like you know, like there's a lot of like posts of like worshiping the the Ukrainian leader. Yeah. Or like sticking, sticking, sticking with the troops and like not not leaving the country, right? Yeah. So I'm sure you Ukrainian like in terms of Ukraine, like yeah, morale is pretty high. But for Russia, I don't think it's the same. Mm. Yeah. I guess the the Russians, the the Russian soldiers are just patriotic, as in not patriotic, but they are loyal to like the the orders they are giving. Right? Yeah, that, like in that they don't they don't really have a choice now. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, yeah but they, they have no real reason to fight besides like the fact that oh you know Putin wants this done. Yeah. Okay. And they have to die for it, which is the big, the big thing. Yeah. Ugh, okay. Yeah, they, I guess they are very convinced of whatever whatever like mission they they have to pull off. I guess. Yes, lah. They have to. Yeah, yeah. I think part of it, part of it is like still like, I wonder like, I just wondering like if part of them still. Feels kind of sort of like regret or like maybe you don't really want to do it, which could explain like like how how Ukraine is putting out such a tough battle because like you know morale is such a such a strong strong important like part of fighting as well. On the next piece of news that I have, it's crypto exchange FTX gives cash to Ukrainians on its platform. So the cryptocurrency exchange FTX has given twenty five dollars to each Ukrainian registered on the platform. Um, because Ukraine's central bank has temporarily suspended the currency's currency market, so uh, like there's limited withdrawal of cash, and uh, issuance of foreign currencies is prohibited after the nation declared martial law. So, uh, I guess like the limitation on these like foreign currencies, uh, makes cryptocurrencies quite ideal. Like because they're not controlled so by. Say again. This is for Ukraine. Right? This is Ukraine. Yeah. So, uh. Yeah, so each Ukrainian receive twenty five dollars, like in if they have an account crypto. with with cryptocurrency exchange FTX. Oh, yeah, which is quite nice because, uh, like cryptocurrencies aren't controlled by any government, and so like they can withdraw the money quite easily, but uh, they don't have to worry about it either. Oh yeah, okay, twenty five dollars in cryptocurrency. I think it's in like twenty five dollars USD or something. So oh. I think. I saw the conversion was about seven hundred Ukrainian dollars, which is not bad, I think. But but like seven hundred Ukrainian dollars, twenty five USD doesn't just doesn't just mean that that it's just twenty five USD. It's not really a lot. It's not really a lot, but I guess, uh, I guess, like on the scale that it's being given out, I think it's quite. I I think it's still quite generous. Okay, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. It's something like something. Yeah, as in I guess since they're also not obligated to do it, but they still do. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. I I thought that was quite interesting because like, I guess it's a way that cryptocurrency. I guess it's not the first war that cryptocurrency like at the same time. So like it's how cryptocurrency has evolved in times of war. I guess. Do you do you the the thing about Elon Musk sending like some satellite? No, I actually didn't. To give Ukraine internet access. Oh no! I actually didn't read about it. <laughs> I, I I didn't read that much, so I just saw this, like this tweet. It's like oh okay. Some some uh, somebody asked some Ukraine politician or something or some politician asked or the Elon Musk you know can you like send your 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 for Ukraine so you can give us the next and then then Elon Musk is like yeah no problem <laughs> he just sends yeah like more 
Let me search that, search that thing up real quick. Uh, in the meantime, I guess like another piece of news that I saw was like the Simpsons releasing a specially commissioned cartoon of the family holding Ukraine flag. So um yeah, the Simpsons wanted to show a, like show solidarity with Ukraine, I guess, which is quite interesting because uh, they they don't usually get involved in politically in political stuff, but like um the the creation of this image uh was a way that they wanted to. Be vigilant about defending freedom in quotes. So yeah, are they selling the image? Selling the? They're selling the image. No, they're not selling oh. the image. They, they okay. For some, for some reason, I, thought, I, I immediately thought of NFT. They're like, well, they're trying to profit off of this. No, they're not. <laughs> that's, that's nice of them. Don't know why I started thinking of that. But yeah, anyway, Elon Musk is selling, selling this Starlink service. Some Starlink station in space to Ukraine, so that you know the Russians can cut off the internet connectivity of Ukraine, so they can receive internet. No matter what. That's very nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it's a way that he's using his abilities to like help the Ukrainians, right? It's just insane though. Now it's another like social media thing. It's on Twitter, by the way. That guy tweeted, tweeted Elon Musk, and Elon Musk tweeted back, no problem, and no. sent it to Ukraine. Such a weird, such a weird, weird thing. Mm. Uh, so it's cool. Yes, that is pretty cool. But yeah. What, 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 what are your thoughts about, about this whole situation? Well, I, I feel that there are a lot of... Um, as in, a lot of sources online are, uh, uh, as in, I guess it's very easy to side with the Ukrainians because like, they, they, as in, they can be seen as victims in this, in this whole thing. So I guess I feel really bad for them. Yeah, they can't, they can't lie the victims. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I'm just thinking of like, the long-term effects of all this. I don't think Russia will like win this war. Because of like how how different it's, it's the same but it's also a bit different because the size of Ukraine. The support from around the world is even more more than, than before. Even China, you know, like even China saying oh uh it's like it's they're, they're, they're even like I think they are Sort of like banning some certain Russian banks. Oh, okay. I but yeah, stopping they're stopping Russian from, from trading in, in in US dollars or something like that. Again, like, I think it's like China's also benefiting a bit from this situation. But they're also like watching to see like yeah. you know, okay, let's let's see what happens like if if we if we if we are country. And the result the result so far is like not good. Lah. I mean Russia, Russia is pretty much uh, okay, not 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 Russia, but like Putin, I think. Mm-hmm. It's seen it's seen as like this big enemy now, and like the whole world is coming like together. Yeah, actually, but as in Putin is pretty mean. I not say pretty mean. He's he's probably he's he's very evil because as in in the speech that the Ukrainian president like mentioned, he said that uh he was the one as in he's being targeted as the the top priority enemy, and his family's and his family is the second top priority, so. I guess like that's pretty mean. Like that that's quite evil. The, the, oh, like the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian president, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess so that's to kill him off. And they have to install their own pro Russia guy. Yeah. But I think this that makes it more respectable that he stays in, in Ukraine though. Yeah, which is why like it's being like yeah, lauded as a hero now. Yeah. Which is actually different from as in it was very different from the, the Afghanistan one. But anyway, I was also gonna mention the Taliban. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, quite, quite funny statement regarding crisis in Ukraine. The Islamic State of the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, uh, calls for restraint by both parties. All sides need to desist from taking positions that could intensify violence. Uh, and um, yeah, they they call to solve the conflict, uh, to resolve the crisis through dialogue and peaceful terms. It's quite ironic, right? 
But I guess yeah. it's respectable. I'm not saying respectable, but like I, I guess even it shows you shows you the the, the state of the world. <laughs> yeah, it shows you this, it does show you the state of the world. Yeah. Which is like yeah, that's what I say. Like it, it, it can you sort of unite the whole world against its one enemy. It's yeah, like, it does. Even the Taliban has to have to come out and say this kind of this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, you know that I saw yeah. a lot of memes on it. Oh, okay. The some timeline. Yeah. Oh, I I remember seeing the Peaky Blinders one. The Peaky Blinders one about about of about Tommy Shelby telling everyone to to stop fighting, and and that was okay. the Taliban, because as in the Taliban themselves are prone to violence, but like them telling one them telling others not to use violence is quite. I think they also as in even though it, their campaign they they had a lot of um innocent victims, uh like casu- like civilian casualties, like I think they also want, n- know that that's actually that, that's like really bad, like I think they don't. At least the Taliban. Yeah. Uh, I think the Taliban just wants to be seen as a legitimate force. That's why I made a statement. Ah uh, okay, like so that they have a right. foreign they have a foreign policy and everything, right? Something like that, yeah. And they also don't have Russians, I think. Like if you go all the way back, like in Afghanistan, like the Russians were the initial enemies mm. before the West stepped in. So like they hit they hit Russians also, they hit Soviet Union. Mm. Yeah. But that's a this is a different Afghanistan's a whole different different. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was a different. Yes, that that's very different. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy times. Yeah, I was seeing like like another post already says that oh, China, if China like China, if China decides to take this opportunity to invade Taiwan, like you have just World War Three. Yeah. Which I don't think will happen because like so far it does, it's, it's not looking too good for for Russia. And it's basically like like no one yeah, like there's no one on, on Russia's side. Yeah, no one else is back backing Russia, right? Yeah. Even Russian citizens don't back don't back to it. Yeah. So it's like there's not like a strong, there's not like a very strong like united front. There's no like I don't see a I don't see a world war happening. Like. So, yeah. Yeah. What 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 do you think? What do you think about like those, those like disinformation or like the, the spread of panic, on social media? Because I know there's a lot of panic being spread online. Well, I I know that I know there's about about a lot of the disinformation. I should not say I know a lot about. I said like I heard I was a, I received some of the 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 misinformation also. I think, like it was about like, uh about how like um, uh like some certain sites were like blocking Russian traffic. But like, that was not true. Like, there was just, also the Pol- the Poland one where they where they say Poland was not accepting. Poland was like, what? Was Poland was closing its borders. To oh. refugees. Oh, okay. No, that was fake news also, which like quite impacted a lot of lives. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I mean, I guess thankfully I didn't see that one. Because yeah. I think the ones that I saw was that Poland's borders were open. Like a lot of the comments yeah. yeah, Poland's borders were open. Yeah. Yeah, do you have anything else to say about this topic? I feel like no. it's just a big history dump. Yeah, no, actually, I guess, like, for, on a personal thing, I for a personal thing, I, I feel really, like, it's, I guess it's a lot of, like, it's a lot of, it's a big tragedy, right, because of the, of the yeah. civilian yeah. casualties. But I, as an uh, also, of, for, for the military casualties as well, like, wasn't there the 13 soldiers that died on the island? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, like, like each person needed to die, like, to be honest. Yeah. Which is, like, Great. it's entirely of Putin's head. There's, there's no like there's no one else that, that yeah Putin was the one that called that called this that called the shot for this and like yeah like, he caused all these people to suffer and, and like yeah, like at the end of the day it's like this is his decision that caused like, this entire tragedy but like at the same time you know there's also this huge like historical background to it so it's like yeah it's just it's just very tragic like, that the people that had to suffer right for these big ideologies and like all these like big nations moving around it's uh, really just the ordinary people, like people that's like wanting to like be free. Actually, I found one of the Instagram accounts of the of the one of the thirteen soldiers who died on the island. 
then a lot of people really? were giving very nice comments now. But it's it's very sad because he's like he's only at twenty three years old or something. And then like there was a, there are videos of him like a few years ago having fun in the military. And then like as in as in he really died for the cause that he believed in. It's pretty sad. Because it, as in it yeah. really humanizes the thing. Because as in thirteen so just it's a statistic. But if you see the guy's Instagram account, you feel more sad about it. Like way more sad. Yeah. yeah. That's true, that's true. Yeah, like, like you mentioned like twenty three years old, like and it's that's so young. Yeah. I mean, Almost age. Yeah. Yeah. They're quite quite tragic, I think. Very yeah, tragic. It's, a, it's just a huge, it's a huge change. I also feel like, like this is maybe. Yeah. It feels like this could be avoided, but like at the same time, like don't really know how how it could be avoided. It just it just feels very. Yeah, I say that's just tragic, tragic. I- I feel that in a war, there's there's always a period of tension that I, I didn't someone didn't realize like either I wasn't paying attention to it or like there was not really a period of tension like usually in this period of tension and build up like the, people try diplomatic means to resolve tension. Yeah, or, they, or they're trying. Okay. Yeah, I think I think they've been trying for a long time. Like like this this Ukraine thing is like has been there for since twenty fourteen. Yeah. So 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 like, like it's just very it's just like people don't really pay attention to it because like. There's so much information now. Like so much so much shit happened between 2014 to twenty like to now. So like like we can't keep track of it like, unless you've been like very government like, keeping track of your like unless you live in Ukraine itself. I I imagine the people of Ukraine like sort of like they've been living under tension for entire entire time. Yeah. I guess it's like, very, it was, yeah. yeah. After a while, you know. Yeah, it's uh no, as in, I was just gonna say that it was it's very like as in it's, they they would have to be living in fear as well right like, now. It's quite sad. Yeah, but I guess after a while like like it becomes like normal like so then then you forget forget some of the of the like. Yeah, I guess it, it it got normalized for the rest of the world. Right? Yeah, and people people in Ukraine also maybe I don't I I can't really speak for them but like I imagine like, like after like years and years and years like you know that there's a threat out there but like I mean like time still goes on right. Yeah. So so like one day you know, say the next day who knows what happened. Yeah. Which is why it was still like right? a time bomb, though. Yeah, yeah. Like then things things really really picking up. Like I think around the start of the year. Yeah, just wanted to to share history. Yeah. Okay. I guess that. Okay. Sorry. It was not as in it's kind of like a history dumb also, but I, I guess there's also like a human context. There's a human element. Yeah, Unfortunately, so I couldn't. Can see yeah. Unfortunately, I couldn't like contribute much to the historical portion because I didn't really read up much on that. But I did get like a lot of the other out of point sources. It's a more. I think it's like this is a like the educational. Like, sounds sounds like we are some current affairs educational news podcast. Yeah, we 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 compile history. We compile history. Yeah, and we present it to you in an educational way. Although we we do have to fact check ourselves. A bit more. I'm I'm worried about saying wrong facts. Yeah, that's especially for this kind of topic. Yeah, I think it's generally correct though. Most yeah, that's why I search. I like research about this. I like and I wrote down like all the all the details. Yeah. So so like when I was saying things just now, like I'm just reading off my 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 so-called it's not a script, but like it's just an info. Well, I guess thanks for listening to this episode of Out of Point. I guess we are out of point for now on this topic. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll see how it develops as as like time goes, right? Because I think we are all hoping for a, a quick and peaceful resolution, right? I'm not sure if that that will actually happen, but yeah, yeah I'm not sure if that will actually. We are hoping for positive hoping. outcomes. Yeah. Oh well, okay, well, I guess that's it for this episode then. See you in the next one. Goodbye.